0: This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv.
1: Inside your bulletins this week, there's some invite cards. Man, I want to encourage you. Invite your friends. Invite your family. Invite that person that you don't like so maybe you'll eventually like them because they found Jesus. I don't know. Just invite somebody. I'll Invite the homeless guy on the corner that's, that's asking you for money. Trade him out a dollar for him coming to church. Whatever. Whatever you got to do. But I'm telling you, you, you want to get some people here next week because it's going to be unbelievable. In fact, we have a little, uh, it's not really a little, we have a little trailer for it. If you guys want to go ahead and turn your attention to the screen uh, for next week.
0: I'm really honest with you. There there are nights after the lights go out and the noise dissipates that I lie there in bed like acutely aware of this inner emptiness. I mean, and while I have moments, I mean, maybe even days of what seem to be deep satisfaction and soothing peace, those feelings quickly dissipate. And so I run and I run after them but they seem as fleeting as this disappearing sun. And then once again, it's like that gnawing inner emptiness is just back. And most of us have this deep longing to feel worth, significance, acceptance, love, beauty. I mean, there are certain things that our soul just longs for on this journey. And whether you realize it or not, your soul has been shaped by this search. I mean, you you felt it too, right? I mean, that unquenchable longing that tempts you to sacrifice everything that you have and everything that you are to feel a little more beautiful, a little richer, a little more powerful, a little more successful, a little more secure or in control, maybe a little more loved, All, all of it in this futile attempt to somehow heal this inner emptiness. I mean, it's so easy to think, if I own this, I would feel worthy. If I achieved that, I would feel significant. If, if I had what they had, I'd be content. If I had just a little more money, I would finally be satisfied. If I got that promotion, I would feel valued. If I could If I could just get that one person to love me, then I would finally have security. But sooner or later, we discover the heartbreaking truth that no matter how beautiful or rich or powerful or loved we become, it is never enough. But you know what, you don't have to live this way. There's another way. And we were made to find our purpose, our destiny, and the one who created us. And the fact that we get sidetracked, that we turn to idols to fulfill these God-given desires doesn't change that fact, that God designed us to strive for something big. I mean, our lives were made to count for something great. And it's only when we turn our hearts towards God, towards our Creator, that we are set free to release these small gods which pretend to wield so much power in our lives. Because empty promises are just that. They're empty. No other God can compare.
1: And so like I said, I know that that was kind of down, but here's, here's what I promised. I told you a couple weeks ago, you know, be ready, you know, and we busted out MC Hammer, had dancers, it's all that kind of crazy crap. Y'all remember that? You remember the, I mean, get ready. That's all I got to say. Get ready. So uh, anyways, hey, we're, uh, we're we're in this series called P90X, and we're talking about changing our reality through prayer. And we've talked about over the last couple of weeks that prayer is a, is a discipline we talk about a lot, but it's not necessarily something that we do very much. You know, it's one of those things that we we go and we see somebody, we're like, oh man, I'll, I'll pray for you. And then we don't ever think about that joker ever again. We don't ever think about that thing that they talked about, that hurt, that pain, that thing. And so, you know, it's, it's a discipline that, that is very highly encouraged in church, but not very practical for most of our lives. And we've been talking about how when we truly understand and realize the power of prayer, man, how it will... absolutely change our life. And we've been using this analogy of P90X, these extreme exercises, and the fact that, you know, they, they put out there all over the place that if, man, if you just show up and you do these exercises, then it will radically change your life. It's not that you gotta be the in the best shape in the world. It's not that you know have to know how to do it perfectly. It's just, you put the DVD in, or if some of y'all are old school, a VHS tape in, and you hit play every single day, and you just show up and you do something, you will transform your life. And the same thing is true with prayer that if we will just show up every day and we will spend some time with God it will just uh transform our lives and it will change our reality. And so we've been talking over the last couple weeks, the first week we talked about, you know, what is prayer and, and why is it important in life? And we just talked about some of the myths and we we talked about how we could change some of those things in our lives. And last week we talked about, you know, what is a good model for prayer? And we talked about the whole, uh, the Lord's prayer. We've all heard that before and, and talked about the fact that it should really be the believer's prayer because it's it's a, a some parameters, it's some boundaries for what prayer should look like in our our lives, and it should be a model. It shouldn't be just something we recite over and over again, but it, it should be a model of here are some areas of our lives that we need to look at, we need to talk to God about, and truly know Him. And this week, we're going to dive in, and we're going to talk about what are some areas that, that happen to be hindrances in our lives, some things that, that block us from having access to God, because it seems like in my life, and I'm sure that you've experienced in yours, there's some times that I'm praying to God and it seems like God ain't there or he ain't in the, the prayers. And so, you know, there's prayers going up, but somewhere along the way, they're hitting a wall and they're just kind of bouncing back at me. And it feels like God is not there. Anybody else ever experienced that in their life where it's just like, man, where is God in this moment? What does that look like? And and, and I want to talk about some of those things and defunct some of those things. But but I was thinking about it this week, you know, we've been in this whole series that's all about Physical fitness. I mean, P90X. That's what it's all about. But I kind of, you know, and, and the aspect of that that goes with prayer. But I've been thinking about that, and I kind of have a confession to make. You know, my wife and I we do we do this stupid program called Insanity, uh, and it's dumb. And we 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 eat really healthy. We're we're. Uh, Pescatarians, which means we, eat, you know, we're basically vegetarians that eat fish. And, and so we eat pretty healthy, but there is one thing that is like, seems to be like a vice in my life that I that just no matter what is happening, I seem to stumble and fall in it every time. Anybody ever have anything like that where it doesn't, like everything is good until this one thing in your life comes around and it just jacks everything up. And for me, that thing is ice cream. You know what I'm saying? Like ice cream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream. You know what I'm saying? woo you know, and it's just like, man, you, I'm good. And you throw a, a, a bowl of ice cream in front of me and I've failed. You know, you, you, we, we walk by a Killwinds or something. I'm like waffle cone with a strawberry ice cream. You know, it's just like, it's a homing device built within me. Uh, and I just love ice cream. And, and, and one of the things I really like with ice cream is that you can make these things called milkshakes. Anybody, anybody a fan of milkshakes out there? You know, there's nothing like a steak and shake milkshake. You know, you drive. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody likes steak and shake. You know, what's up? You know, I mean, even even places like McDonald's, a a horrible food McDonald's is. You go to McDonald's, their milkshake is pretty legit, isn't it? I mean, it's good. You know, they give you that big old thick straw and that that chocolate milkshake. You're sucking it down and it's just like flowing. I mean, it's awesome. But the ultimate milkshake has to be Chick-fil-A, hand-spun, strawberry milkshake come on can I get a hallelujah praise the Lord in this house you know what I'm saying I mean it's that's like that's like sweet nectar from heaven coming down to earth and just filling your belly you know it's like that has got to be in my belly you know and you you gotta I mean it just is unbelievable it's a game changer I mean I think that God literally was like you know what Chick-fil-a can't be open on Sunday because we just can't have that much goodness seven days a week I mean it's just not feasible and, and, but the, you know, I do have one problem and you all can take out your Twitter and Twitter Chick-fil-A and tell them this though. You know, you go, to, you go to McDonald's and when you get a milkshake at McDonald's, you know what they give you? They give you a big old fat straw, don't they? I mean, anything can fit through that. You could throw like an orange through that thing. I mean, anything goes through that. You show up at Chick-fil-A and they give you like the straw, like we give you for stirrer sticks out here. And you're like, you know, you're trying, you're like sucking that thing so hard and it's like crinkling in because, you know, you just want it. And it's like, oh man, it feels, but, but I don't know if, you, if you've had one of these milkshakes. It always happens to me and maybe it's happened to you. You know, you're, you're drinking it and it's, it's unbelievable. You know, you you're like literally are transfigured into heaven at that moment before the Holy of Holies and you're drinking it and all of a sudden it stops. The flow stops because a strawberry has gotten stuck in that small straw. Come on now, you know what I'm saying, don't you? It gets stuck in that straw and you're like, oh my gosh, where is the the ice cream? Where is the milkshake? And you suck and the straw is kind of crinkling in and, and deforming and all of a sudden, man, that strawberry shoots through there because you've sucked it out and it hits the back of your throat and you start gagging. It's a hindrance, man. It's a hindrance to that awesome goodness. And and so many times in life, it's what prayer is like. It seems like, man, we're we're connecting with God and it's so good and it's so sweet. But all of a sudden, man, there's this thing that gets stuck in the straw and we're like, man, what happened? What took place here? I mean, I was connected and it was so good. It was awesome. I mean, it was filling me up and all of a sudden, as dry as can be. It's dry as can be and it happens to so many of us in our spiritual life that we're going along and man, it just gets stuck. And so how do we overcome those things? How do we break through those hindrances or, or for some of us, some, some activities that happen in our lives that seem to separate us from God and getting the answers through prayer that we're looking for? Because I think that God isn't, isn't out there handing us a small straw. There's some things that we do that we put in there that block us from having the flow that we've wanted to have with God. And so we're gonna be looking at five things today and they're and they're all throughout the Bible and we're just gonna be highlighting them and saying, man, if we look at these areas and we start to identify these things and we start to rid these things of our lives, man, our flow to God is gonna be unbelievable. There's gonna be nothing that's blocking our path to understanding and knowing God in a greater measure. And so we're gonna dive right in and the first hindrance to our life or temptation that's in our life to blocking us from having this unbelievable prayer life is self-consciousness. In self-consciousness, it's self-consciousness. We, we begin to go and go. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn off the phone and I'm gonna I'm gonna go and I'm gonna find this time to hang out with God. And and what happens is we start praying and we start thinking to ourselves. You know what? This looks really stupid or I sound really dumb. You know. And and I do this all the time too. I'll be like, you know what? I didn't really say that right. And it's just a conversation. Nobody else is there. It's just me and God. But all of a sudden, I start to feel stupid and I start to feel dumb. And this self-conscious thing kind of kicks in. And all of a sudden, I stop praying and I'm thinking all about myself. I mean, come on now, that's happened to all of us. We think, man, man, if somebody saw us or some, if, if they looked at this and, you know, it, it, it blocks us from having this relationship with God because we get the focus off of the relationship and we get the focus all on ourselves. And we know this to be true in other relationships. If if we block the flow, if we become self-conscious, then we don't really have this, this communication thing happening. I mean, husbands and wives understand this greatly. You know, the wife comes home and for a lot of households, this is what it's like. She comes home and she's like, oh my gosh, to your how was your day in? And the guy, his response is, Ugh. you know, like the God just like grunts, like that means good. And uh, that means I had a horrible day. Don't say anything more to me, you know? And, and if you have a relationship like that, there is not much of a relationship there because it's like, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm too cool. I can't reveal my, my feelings. I can't reveal what's happening in my heart. So I'm just going to grunt. And so many times because we're focused on ourselves and our, in our marriages and we're focused on ourselves and in our relationship with God, we miss out and we start putting all eyes on us instead of putting all eyes on him and it hinders our prayer life and it and it takes us away from from having this relationship that God so desires. And God is like, you know what? We just need to get over ourselves. We need to get over ourselves and and get beyond where we feel like we look stupid or get beyond what sounds stupid. And I know this to be true because just recently I was at a wedding that I, that I was performing for a couple here at church and and it was uh it's been one of my my friends for the last 13 years. We did an internship together and and he was getting married to a a Great lady in our church, and and we went and we performed this ceremony. And afterwards, you know, we went to uh, what, what's the thing called afterwards? I don't even remember reception. I knew somebody would remember it. And uh, and we're at the reception, and you know, the the dance floor starts happening, and you know, they're they're playing some like old eighties, nineties rap music, and that's like heaven on earth for me. I, that's what I grew up on. I love it, and 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 so. Some people from our church were there, and so they came up and they're like, hey, TJ, are you gonna dance? And and there's kind of an unwritten rule in our house. TJ is not allowed to dance under any circumstances because you guys, y'all have seen me do the Beyonce up here. I mean, it is pretty awesome but that is not to be done in general public viewing. And so my wife's, you know, it's, it's the unwritten rule. And so I said, you know what? I, I'm not allowed to dance, you know? And they're like, come on. And they're like, come on, can't you dance? And I was like, you have to go ask Shayla. Now, I don't know what was going on in Shayla's mind because they, went, they actually went and asked Shayla and Shayla's like, yeah, sure, he can go dance. And probably the greatest mistake she's ever made in her life. And, uh, you know, so everybody's out there dancing on the dance floor. And, and I mean, we're just goofing around. We're having a good time, but, you know, a song call, comes on called Rump Shaker, and I don't know if, <laughs> all I want to do is a zoom, 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 and a boom, boom, just shake. Uh, anyways, and so that song comes on, and all of a sudden, I, I like revert back to like sixth grade, and and, and, and and another guy in our church, you know, everybody's dancing. And he goes, and he slides on his knees across the dance floor, and uh, you know, kind of doing this thing. And next thing you know, I leapfrog him. Into a Beyonce dance, and all of a sudden I go into like 1982 breakdancing mode, and and everybody stops. You know, everybody stops at that point. They're like, "Who is the idiot out there on the dance floor?" You know, and I'm doing backspins and and striking poses and stuff, and doing all this stuff. And and you know, when you're doing that stuff, you think you are like legit. You know what I'm saying? You're like, you're like, man, I should be on. So you think you can dance when everybody else is like this. This idiot's a fool, you know. And uh and so I end that and, and shelly comes in and is like, okay, you've had enough for one night. <laughs> and I was I was dying of a heart attack anyways, cause I was out of breath, cause I didn't do anything. And so, you know, I I end on that and, and and I'm thinking, I've just made the biggest fool of myself in the world. The pastor that officiated the ceremony just went out there and humiliated himself. That's what I'm thinking in my mind. And and But yet all of a sudden, all these people are coming up and being like, that is so cool, man. How did you do that? What That backspin thing into the pose, what was that all about? And, and what I realized is that, you know, so many times we are hindered from doing things because we're so worried about what everybody else is gonna think instead of just going out there and doing it. And the same thing is true in our relationship with God. God's just saying, man, just show up and do it. I don't really care what you say, man. When we start doing that, everything else seems to follow in life. You know what? People were out there and they were doing the, the crawl from, uh, uh, I forget what song. They were doing all kinds of crazy things afterwards. It just, it freaking rocked the party. That's all I got to say. It was awesome. And you, there's like three people that were there and they're like, I don't know about that. But listen, I'm a legend in my own mind. Let me be that way. So, but we just got to get over ourselves. We got to get our focus off of ourselves and say, so, you know what, it doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter what it sounds like, man. I'm just gonna let go and I'm gonna go after God. And I'm not gonna allow my self-consciousness to hinder me from having this relationship that he so desires in my life. Another thing that, that hinders our prayer life is busyness. You know, we just get so Busy in life, and and if there's one thing, if you look through the gospels, if you if you start searching and looking in the gospels, you'll see a pattern in Jesus's life, and and this pattern is is that when life got busy, Jesus had this tendency to get away from the busyness of life, and and you can look in in Matthew chapter 14, verse 13, and and this is right after the, the Jesus got the news that his cousin John the Baptist had just been beheaded. I mean, this was one of his childhood best friends, and and so this tragedy happens, and what happens it says, and when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat to a solitary place. Jesus got away in the time of sorrow, in this time of deep need. Jesus said, You know what? I'm going to get away and I'm going to spend some time alone. I'm going to get away from the chaos and I'm going to spend some time. In Luke chapter 9, verses 10, it's one of the first times he had sent the disciples out to go and to preach on their own. And they were coming back from these, these, almost like many uh, crusades that they were on. And they were so excited and they were so jacked up about what God had done. And this is what it says in verse 10. It says, when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. I don't even know what that says. So he, they withdrew to a place. And uh, you know what, in the midst of all this stuff, Jesus said, you know what, man, it's time to get away. We've, we've been doing all this stuff. There's all this busyness, man, we need to get away. And then at, at one of the, the pinnacles of Jesus' ministry, I mean, miracles are happening. You know, the crowds are really building at this point. In Luke chapter five, you know, it, this is kind of the height of Jesus' ministry. It says this, yet the news about him spread all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed and here's the pattern if you look at jesus's life this is the overwhelming pattern that you'll see the busier that jesus got the more he withdrew to a solitary place and if you think about our lives if you think about the lives that we lead our lives are exactly the opposite the busier we get the less time we spend with god isn't it true The more busy we get, the more emails that are coming through on our smartphones, the more that Facebook is blowing up, the more that we've got to check-in on Foursquare, the more that we've got a Twitter Chick-fil-A about their straws, you know, the more of that stuff that we have to do, the more difficult it is to hear the voice of God. And Jesus understood this thing. He understood that, that no matter how busy life had gotten, there were, there were times that he needed to eject himself from the chaos and get alone so that he can have a relationship with his father. And the same thing is true for us. There's so many times that the chaos is happening in our lives. We, can't need, we don't need another phone call. We don't need to check that text message we just got. We don't need to see what's happening on, on CBS or TNT or whatever other TV station's on. We need to withdraw from the busyness in the chaos of life and just get some time with God but yet we're so addicted to technology we're so addicted to knowing everything at that instantaneous moment and we're missing out on having the connection to a heavenly father that wants to talk to us and so my question for you and I is when is the last time we've disconnected when is the last time that we said, you know what, I'm gonna leave the TV off this week and I'm gonna spend some time with God? When is the last time that we said, you know what, I'm not gonna go and post something on Facebook. I'm not gonna see what everybody else is doing. I don't, I don't wanna know what's happening. And you know what, this week I'm gonna ignore my texts. Or you know what, today I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave that, that, that message for later. Because I need some time with God. And I would challenge us because we allow the busyness of life. I think the busyness is the greatest hindrance to our relationship with God. It is a thing that keeps us from knowing him in a more intimate way because we're so caught up in everything else that we miss out on the moments that he wants to share and commune with us. And because we're so busy trying to impress everybody else, we don't impress the one who deserves to be impressed the most, and that's God. And so one of the things for, for us as a staff and as a church that that we're gonna encourage you to do this week is, and and we as a staff, we're doing it is we're we're taking some time out of the chaos of life and we're gonna say, you know what? We're gonna stop some things. We're gonna fast from some things and we're gonna spend some time with God. And so every day this week, Monday through Friday at our church offices from 6 a.m. to 7.30, we're gonna be praying. We're gonna spend some time with God corporately and, and maybe you have 10 minutes, maybe you have 30 minutes, maybe you have an hour and a half that you can give to God each day and I would encourage you to come and be a part of that. Stop the chaos in life. Give something up and say, you know what, God, I'm gonna spend some time with you. Some of us are gonna fast TV. Some of us are gonna fast food. Some of us are gonna, are gonna fast our spouses. I don't know what you're gonna do, but it's been a rough week. That's all I gotta say. No. You know, we're gonna give up some things that we really enjoy and say you know what that time that I would normally spend watching the Olympics which is ending today so you're good uh, I'm gonna spend that time with God this week and I'm gonna stop the busyness and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna reconnect with my heavenly father and I want to encourage us man don't don't allow ourselves to get so caught up in the the grind of today that we miss out on the opportunity to know our heavenly father and so we need to we need to find a pattern to withdraw and spend some time with God. A third area of our lives that I think really hinders our prayer life is fear. And uh, I, I think the number one reason that, that people don't have the relationship with God that they want is fear. It's this idea that, that man, if I show up before God, man, I am afraid of, of being in the presence of God. I'm, a, I'm afraid that something is gonna be there that, you know what, I'm not gonna be accepted, I'm not gonna be loved and and and, and you know what, it, it's gonna keep me from that and I think that God is out there and he's just looking at all the things that I've done wrong and he's just pointing those things out he's like that big guy in the sky who's just looking for opportunities to point out my faults and so if I go to him, what's he gonna do, man? He's just gonna point out my faults, he's just gonna tell me what I've done wrong and what I'm not doing right and all those things and that is not the way of, of God at all. In fact, I learned this from from growing up my son stepdad and i and i we had a dog uh it was a black lab that that we got when i was younger and and we named her teal i don't know if we were colorblind at the time but a black lab and the name teal it just didn't really work but we just went with it because it it, it was good for her and 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 my stepdad he had a construction company and so every day during the summer we'd go out to job sites and we'd be building houses and i remember we were in this one particular neighborhood one summer that i was working with him i was probably about 13 years old and teal had this tendency to kind of uh go off and disappear for the day and all of a sudden reappear. I don't know if she was going to other job sites to get food from workers. I mean, that's what I would have done. You know, that's pretty much her MO. All she wanted was food. And so if there was another job site and they were on their lunch break or they were on their break at all, she was there. She like could sniff food out for like three miles away and she would disappear and go that. But one day she disappeared and we didn't have any idea where she was. And so we had this this idea that, you know, when, when we'd honk the horn at the end of the day, that was kind of like the end of the day. And for some reason, that became like her dog call at the end of the day. So we'd honk the horn twice, and all of a sudden she'd come running from wherever she was, and she'd appear out of out of lakes behind houses and out of bushes and all kinds of stuff. And this particular day, when she showed up to the job site, at the end of the day, she was wearing like concrete boots um, because she had happened to run through a, a house foundation that had just been poured. And so like she was kind of going slower than normal because she had all the this concrete all over all four of her legs. And and, and so she's running up and we could smell her like 20 yards away because apparently she had go, after she had ran through some concrete, she went and rolled in a dumpster. And I don't know what it is about dogs. They think like trash is perfume. And so she's rolling up and, and she knew right away, you know, when a dog has like jacked things up, they know right away they kind of come and their tails between their legs and their, their ears are down. And I thought to myself, my stepdad is going to kill her. This is going to be like a mafia scene. He's just going to toss her in the lake and she's already got the, the concrete boots and she's just going to sink. It's over. Her life is over as we know it right now. And, and I was thinking, man, George is going to throw down on her. Man, this is horrible. How is she going to get in the truck? And, and I remember George walking over and her just being sheepish and just, just grabbing her by the car and saying, come on, Teal, and taking her over and hosing her off and, and just being like, oh my gosh, I would have I thrown her in the lake because she stinks, but you know, that wasn't his response at all. And so many of us, we, we go before God and we're, we're sheepish and, and we're afraid and, we, and we've, we've got all the mess ups in life. Man, we've, been, we've gone and we've rolled in trash. And maybe it's not physical trash. Maybe we've got ourselves into some things that have, have got us thinking in life. And we think, man, there's no way that God would accept me. There's no way that God would, would take me as I am. But yet God opens up his arms and it's just like, man, come on in, come on in. And we, we learn this a couple of weeks ago this this verse out of out of Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 it says therefore let us come boldly before the throne of grace or it says let us come with confidence that we may obtain mercy and find Grace in our time of need and so many of us we think that man I just can't go to God I'm afraid that he's going to try to get me and God's saying man listen you don't need to get your life all cleaned up and come to me because that's what we think we have to do man I've got to fix my life I've got to clean it up I've got to make sure that I don't stink and that, that all the evidence of the past is gone and God's like no just come to me and I'll clean you up don't worry about what's happened I just want you to come and you can have confidence you don't have to be afraid you don't have to be sheepish man you can just come with boldness to me and I'll accept you right where you are, right how you are with all the mess ups and all the screw ups and the concrete things that you just think there's no way I can get rid of this in my life. And God's just saying, come to me, come to me and you won't miss out on what he has for your life. And so there's so many things that that hinder us from God, from our self-conscious, you know, just thinking, "Man, I'm just, man, I, I just don't feel right. It just, it just feels stupid." And to our, to our fear, to, to this busyness of life. But I think one of the biggest things that that hinder us is an unclean heart. Is an unclean heart. Guilt and shame, man, are one of the surest ways to close up our flow to God, to close up this this connection to God, and I. I see so many people that they just think, man, I've got all this stuff, I'm so muddy, I'm so dirty, I'm so trashed out in life that there's no way. There's just nothing that I could do that would, that would connect me to God because of, of my past mistakes, because of my past failures, because of, of what's happening in my life. There's, God won't accept me and I, and I think that King David is one of the greatest examples of, of how God wants us to approach him when we mess up in life. And, and in his life, he had an affair with a with a woman named Bathsheba. And after this affair, she became pregnant. And, and And instead of instead of confessing at that moment, what he did is he tried to cover it up, which is so much like what we do. I mean, it's you know we try to put on the mask and we try to put on the the facade that we've got it all together. And we you know we try to cover up the fact that we we've got concrete boots on because there's some things that are holding us down. And we think, man, I'll just put a glove on over that. Nobody will notice those things. And and that's what David tried to do. But he had a friend that was good enough to come to him. Nathan he was a prophet and he came to him and he just called out David and said man you have screwed up and and David went before God and and he realized that his sin wasn't something that was going to keep him from God but he realized in this moment that sin sometimes is that our greatest propellant to God and he's not he wasn't going to allow his sin to hold him back and and we find his prayer in Psalm 51 uh, verses 1 and 2 and it says have mercy on me O God according to your unfailing love According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. In verse two, he says, wash away all of my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And and David right here is, is, he's acknowledging the sin. He's acknowledging that there's this separation between him and God and that this sin has has caused this divide in his life with God. And he goes on in verse six, he says, surely desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost parts. And and what he's saying is he's saying, God, man, I recognize that there's truth that you have for me. And I'm not going to allow this sin to separate me from my relationship with you. And, And continuing on in verse seven, he says, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquity. He says, when we repent and turn to God, man, there's this joy and this gladness that comes about in our lives. But yet, when we have this sin in our lives and and we're unrepentant about it and and we're trying to hide it from God, there's this crushing that happens to our spirit. And we've all experienced it, haven't we? When we're hiding something, we're trying to keep it. And so that nobody knows, it's like this burden that is continuously on us, is continuously pulling us down and weighting us down. It just feels like the spirit inside of us is just being crushed. And what he's saying is, man, when we repent of those things, when we allow those things to drive us to God, it's in those moments that we're in our most broken place that God does the greatest work in our lives. It's when we become broken, we say, man, God, I'll screw this all up, man. I've jacked this all up, man. I've been crawling in concrete. I've, I've rolled around in some, in some dumpsters, and, man, I've messed up my life. But, God, I need you to do something. It's one of the reasons why when we break a bone in our body, when it heals, it always heals stronger because it's a principle of God. Man, when we come back to him and we get healing from the, the heart of God and we repent of those things and he, he makes us new, man, it changes us and it makes us stronger. And God's saying, don't allow the sin in your life to keep you from having a relationship from me, but let it propel you towards me. Don't let it be a hindrance. Don't let it block the flow that we have together. Allow it to come in and do something awesome in your life. And then in verse 10, he says, create in me a pure heart, oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. He says, renew, man. He's like, man, restore that connection that we had that barrier, that that thing that's blocking that, take that thing out and restore that thing. And God wants to do a renewing in our lives. And when we allow the sin, instead of taking us from God to propel us to God, all of a sudden there's a renewing that takes place in our lives and there's an invigoration that happens and there's a connection. There's a flow back of God and us happening. And instead of hindering our prayers, it enhances our prayers because we're being real with God. And so many times what we try to do is, man, we try to, and, and, and I'm guilty of this, is we try to fake it till we make it. Man, I've got it all good. I've got it all going on. And we can fool a lot of people. But you know what God is looking for? He's looking for people that are real. Man, he's tired of, of us coming in and playing games and, and being religious and being rule-oriented. He's just like, man, just, just be honest. And I think that that's, that's one of the reasons why David was a man after God's own heart. He was just honest with where he was. Man, I've, I've jacked things up. But my screw-ups in life are not gonna define me. My relationship with God is And God, as he, he refers to David later on in, in the New Testament, and the apostles refer to David, they don't refer to his screw-ups, they, ref, they refer to his relationship. Because he realized that, that sin wasn't a hindrance, but it was something that would draw us closer to God if we understood the heart of the Father, which is he wants all of us to know him. I think for a lot of us, the reason we don't run to God when we're dealing with sin and we're dealing with things in our life is because we feel inadequate. The feelings of, of inadequacy in our lives, we just look at ourselves and we just say, you know what, I'm just not good enough. No matter how hard I try, I'm just not good enough and, 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 and because we're trying to earn it on our own and so many of us do that, we try to say, you know what, if if my good just outweighs my bad, then, I, then I'm just gonna earn my way to heaven. You know what, and there's no way we can earn our way to heaven. That is the truth of the matter. No matter how hard we try, we can't earn our way to heaven because it's a it's a free gift. It's nothing that we can do naturally in and of ourselves they can please God. It says our righteousness is as filthy rags to him. And so we gotta understand that in Hebrews uh, chapter 10, it it gives a great description in verse 19. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, he's saying, man, the only reason we have the opportunity to not feel inadequate, but to feel adequate and life is because of Jesus, because of what he's done. He says, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house, skipping down to verse 22, he said, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. And this is the whole thing. This is what it's all about. The reason we can have a confidence in, to know that God hears our prayers is because of Jesus Christ. I think the reason most of us don't have confidence in our prayers is because we don't have our confidence in our relationship with Christ. We have our confidence in our activities. We have a confidence in our rituals. We have a confidence in, in these rules that we've put up for ourselves, but our confidence isn't in God. It isn't in Jesus. It isn't in knowing him. And we've missed the message of the gospel, which is all about God wants a relationship with you. If he wanted us just to follow rules, like he would have never had to have sent his son. That's the reality. And so today, as we're concluding this series on prayer, there's there's so many things that that hinder people. But I think the number one thing is, is that a lot of us have bought into religion and a bunch of rules and trying to earn our way there. And we've missed out on relationships. We've missed out on knowing our Heavenly Father through knowing Jesus and having a relationship with Him. And maybe you're here today and you've never experienced that relationship. I know in the first service there was quite a few people that have never experienced that. They've experienced a lot of activity but they've never experienced God. And they wonder why, man, it just seems like God never seems to answer anything. It just seems like it's it's hitting a, a ball and it's just bouncing back down. It's like one of those super balls, man. It just ricochets and comes right back down. And instead of being hindered today, God wants to open up. Doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done, he, he says, man, I accept you right where you are. You don't have to figure it out. Come and know me and we'll figure it out together this is a coastal community church podcast
0: for more information about coastal community church please visit coastalcommunity.tv